It says, only love is strong because it is undivided. The strong do not attack because they see no need to do so. Before the idea of attack can enter your mind, you must have perceived yourself as weak. Because you attacked yourself and believed that the attack was effective, you behold yourself as weakened. No longer perceiving yourself and others as your equal and regarding yourself as weaker, you attempt to equalize the situation you made. You use attack to do so because you believe that attack was successful in weakening you. That is why the recognition of your own invulnerability is so important to the restoration of your sanity. For if you accept your invulnerability, you are recognizing that attack has no effect. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak they talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. I'm Eric Osborne. And I'm Courtney Rose. And today I have a personal address that I'm asking you to listen to and share so that it gets to the people that I wanted to get to. And because it's an important message for the entire psychedelic community, this is a direct statement that I would like to send to some very important, very high impact people within the psychedelic community that um, I might not be able to reach without your help. Those are first and foremost, Dr. Roland Griffiths, uh, then Michael Pollan, Paul Stamets, Paul Austin, Joe Moore of Psychedelics Today, uh, Kyle Bueller as well. Um, Anybody else that is really fits under this? Maybe Rick Doblin, although I've always just admired Rick. Um, but I guess the topic is my criticism. I have come to realize that I have had a significant chip on my shoulder um, towards the medical, scientific, clinical um, establishment within psychedelia and all of those individuals in one way or another are pretty important folks within that realm. And the reality is those individuals have helped to provide me with this incredible opportunity. I've also helped as well. I was really deeply involved in the psilocybin long before uh, there were any clin clinical trials or any research. Um, but I've just, I've just really come to see clearly that it's been my own insecurities that have been at root of my criticism. And since Roland Griffiths just announced that he has stage four cancer um, and might not be with us a whole lot longer, I feel like it's really important for him in particular, um, at least it's important to me that he hears this, that he knows that um, while I have been critical publicly of the clinical application of psychedelics, and I still don't necessarily feel like it's the most helpful um, point of access, my life would not be what it is without his incredible work. And I am so deeply grateful for him and Paul Stamets and just all those names that I listed. Michael Pollan, uh, you know, I've, I've made a lot of jokes about those eye shades and uh, um, earbuds or whatever. <laughs> Playlists. Playlists. Uh, but thank you so much. You've done really a ton to help advance this work. 
Uh, so yeah, stick around for the full episode because it's a big conversation. There's a lot more to it than just my humble apology and my sincere plea for um, greater unity within the psychedelic space. Truth of the matter is that none of us really truly know how to work most effectively with these very powerful tools that are just re-entering into our zeitgeist. So I uh, would love it, love it, love it if you would share this far and wide so that it can get to those individuals. I really enjoyed this conversation and I, I particularly enjoyed exploring the whole reality that we're all in this together and the uh, new concept for me of invisible assets and revisiting what we're doing here and how we can have so much greater of an impact if we work together as a community in collaboration and become more aware of these emotions that are trying to communicate with us uh, different things and just kind of like practicing talking about it with each other mm -hmm. uh, instead of to each other about other people and like not really directly conversing uh, with the things and the people and the feelings. So I really, really, truly enjoyed having this conversation with you and uh, just really honestly admire you for acknowledging past mistakes and making a suggestion of how to move forward mm -hmm. in and a better way. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. There's a lot of division in the psychedelic community right now. And there are a lot of different approaches to working with these powerful tools and we all can help each other. I've got something to share and teach and you've got something to share and teach and we can all bring it together and advance more quickly, help more people more quickly. Yeah, so uh, we really do hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please like it. Uh, we post new podcasts every single week. And now we are getting pretty consistent and posting on YouTube so that you can enjoy these beautiful faces <laughs> and just, you know, see what we're moving and grooving like while we talk it out. Uh, so please do subscribe uh, so you can get notified of new episodes and share it with a friend like Eric saying. Rate that bad boy on iTunes. Come on, y'all. We got a, quite a few five-star ratings, but we want all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we love the five stars. I do. I do. All right. Thanks so much and look forward to hearing your comments uh, below the video and feedback in any other format through the Instagram account or through our Psilocybin Says TikTok or Facebook, whatever, however you can connect, we would love to do so. <sighs> I know we make this look so easy. Sometimes it's really not. Sometimes it's really challenging. <laughs> You look very nice anyway. I like the outfit. Um, you look very together. You may not feel very <laughs> together. Good on the but you external. Look, yeah. I'm fooling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just playing a big game here. We're all just making it up as we go and pretending like we know. Yeah. I don't know. Me either. Well, you know some things. So do you. But yeah, and I do too. But 99.9% .9 of things, I just don't know. Well, the thing is, most of the things that we think we know, we end up changing our mind on. So how much do we really know? And 
I think that's actually a, a part of this conversation because we're in this place with psychedelics where everybody thinks they know how to work with psychedelics and we can see very clearly that there are so many different approaches and so many different ways that clearly somebody doesn't know. If everybody's doing it differently and everybody says they know, then either we're all right or we're all wrong or a little bit of both. I, I take option C personally. Yeah, it's kind of like you ever, do you ever like look back at a message thread or Facebook? Oh, this is a really good um, example. You know, you get those Facebook notifications that are like memories. Like, remember eight years ago, this post that you made? Mm -hmm. Do you ever look at what you wrote in the post and think, what in the hell was I thinking? I very often think that as words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't need to take eight years. <laughs> no, and I'm serious. I very often realize that as I'm talking... I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's really fascinating to me how even in a conversation oh God. where we're talking about not knowing and trying to like trying to understand better and and by having the conversation trying to explore things that maybe we didn't think about, even in an intentional conversation directed in that way we still most of the time talk as if we know like here's what i think and my opinion well, and think. here's why well, it's I this think. way yeah. and it's like what are we doing yeah. why do we think we gotta well it's like that conversation we had the other day around the subtle sacrament and we all had this agreement there's only four of us in a conversation and we all agree on this is what's gonna happen and like seriously 30 minutes after that conversation <laughs> We're in a text like, wait a second, that's not what I understood. That's not what I understood. And two of the four people understood it completely differently than yeah. the other two. So that's a valuable perspective to take into or a valuable awareness to take into all of our conversations is that nothing is, well, I'll say nothing, but then that becomes an absolute. Very few things are, are absolute and even like I'm thinking about the clothes, like I was getting ready to say, well, I know I like these pants that you got me, but then five years from now, I may not like corduroys again. Yeah, you're going to see a picture of yourself in those like, pants and you're going to be like, pants. wow, yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so I just got to take this shit head on though, um, because I have, I guess I've realized through mushrooms in large part uh, that so much of what I think I know is an ever-shifting landscape that I it's just a, a perspective in the moment, but I still have a tendency, like all humans do, to speak in terms of absolutes, like this is the way it is, or this is how it should be, or this is what I think. Yeah. So why do we do that? I think it's the ego. I think it's the ego trying to protect its its insecurities. Um and for me, it seems like there's a lot of value in really trying to put that ego in check as much as possible. It's one of the reasons that we use psychedelics. It's one of the reasons that it's one of the reasons that I 
wanted to be a public figure is because there is no faster way that I have found to course correct than to put yourself out there and have to constantly be evaluating what you're thinking and what you're saying. So it's interesting how something that seems on the surface like very ego-driven, like putting yourself on video and talking publicly about things that you think you know, uh, how it can actually be the opposite. It's all about your intention behind it. But it's still a slippery slope. This ego thing, this is a conversation that I hope that we will continue to have for a very long time because it is an ever-moving target. Nothing has taught me that like this book. What's what's Whoa, the book you got there? Man. Uh, lost my page, but I think I'm going to be able to easily get back to the one I wanted. Uh, the book that I have here is A Course in Miracles. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of this. It's a very well-known book. Uh, it came about in the... I honestly don't know the date. I'm not going to look it up right now. Uh, but it is it is a very powerful book teaching the workings of the ego and how to disarm the ego, which is a big part of what this conversation is about today. So you probably gather from the title or the intro that a big part of this episode is going to be my me making a uh, a public statement to several specific individuals. Um, it there, there's a number of conversations and realizations that have have led to this. Uh, part of that is this is this book. Um, part of it, probably the biggest part, is when I saw a couple weeks back that Roland Griffiths uh, announcing that he has stage four cancer. For those of you who don't know, uh, Roland Griffiths was one of the um, kind of key researchers, still is one of the key researchers around psilocybin and its positive therapeutic effects with Johns Hopkins. Um, He's done a lot of incredible work to legitimize psychedelic therapy and the use of psychedelics. And it's, um, yeah, that was a big surprise to hear he is uh, struggling with stage four cancer. And he's going to be going and checking out the Divine Assembly. And uh, I think seeing it seems like kind of exploring the spirituality of psilocybin even more, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but reading that announcement, some of the conversations we've been having at Sanctuary and this text that I've been reading had me really reevaluating or checking myself and how I have uh, presented publicly these things that I know, these, uh, these, you know, thoughts that are really just opinions that change all the time. And, you know, I guess I, I have to admit that I have had a pretty big chip on my shoulder in regards to the 
research, clinical application of psychedelics for a number of reasons, none of which are really justifications. Uh, the only reason that it really matters is because of my own insecurity. Uh, so I want to read just a, a, a portion from this text real quick to kind of offer some context into what I've been thinking and how I'd like to approach this conversation. Uh, because not only do I want to issue a public apology to several key individuals, I also would love to facilitate more open dialogue among the different practitioners and modalities of psychedelic therapy. So, um, gosh, this book, I hope to be teaching and applying this book throughout my life. Um, this is um, from the chapter five, The Sane Curriculum. So it says, only love is strong because it is undivided. The strong do not attack because they see no need to do so. Before the idea of attack can enter your mind, you must have perceived yourself as weak because you attacked yourself and believed that the attack was effective. You behold yourself as weakened, no longer, no longer perceiving yourself and others as your equal and regarding yourself as weaker, you attempt to equalize the situation you made. You use attack to do so because you believe that attack was successful in weakening you. That is why the recognition of your own invulnerability is so important to the restoration of your sanity. For if you accept your invulnerability, you are recognizing that attack has no effect. You will never realize the utter uselessness of attack except by recognizing that your attack on yourself has no effects. There's quite a bit going on in that little passage that we could expand on, but basic premise is that we are all one and that anytime we attack someone else, it's out of our own sense of insecurity. And when we realize that in attacking someone else, we're actually attacking ourselves, then we can come to understand the insanity of our behavior. And the greatest truth that underlies it all is that none of us are vulnerable. Now, that may sound like a very uh, kind of presumptuous statement, but as this text shares throughout and as the mushroom experiences have shown me very clearly over time that I am eternal. You, we, this is forever. And that whatever it we perceive as an attack is actually just an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for us to diminish the ego and to understand that we're all in this together, that we are all one together. So that's really what I want to say to Roland Griffiths and to Paul Stamets and to Joe Moore and Paul Austin, Michael Pollan. There's a number of folks out there, but those are kind of the big names who I have 
I've been critical of. Uh, and while I think there is value in discussing various ways of working with the mushroom, there's no value in criticizing or attacking someone over kind of the way that they're doing things. And while I haven't been like maybe directly attacking, um, I have, I have certainly felt insecure when I first started getting into this world and became public uh, uh, with my my efforts in um, psychedelia, I had a, a, a huge fear of being diminished and ridiculed and undermined by uh, the scientific community, by those who were established professionals. And, you know, in large part, that fear came true. Um most prevalently and something that still I struggle with to this day is um, the kind of subversive attack I felt like that came from psychedelics today when they, you know, yanked all the podcasts. There's like four podcasts that they had with me or people who had worked with me um, that they just yanked and then they yanked an endorsement from me without, uh, uh, without giving uh, any reason really other than just they were no longer endorsing my work and that was like my greatest fear come true that people that I looked to and respected who I thought were um, you know skilled professionals and knowledgeable influential people would then um, minimize me and seek to discredit me and it's taken me a long time, and I think it's still going to be an ongoing process of me letting go of that and realizing that it wasn't actually an attack. I mean, it may have been intended as an attack of, of sorts, um, but it, it was. it's really been an incredible opportunity for education. And I hope we'll open up opportunities for further reconciliation. So, you know, Paul Stamets has been such an incredible teacher to me. And here lately, I've been kind of like, you know, Paul's, uh, you know, I haven't been a fan of the way some of the things are unfolding and the way that he's presenting and, and engaging with the psychedelic community. And, um, but that's okay. Like, he's been an incredible teacher to me. And what I want to continue to focus on in my family life and my, my, my life with my friends and my community and sanctuary and the broader psychedelic community and the political world and just all around is just fully knowing that we are all one and that we are all eternal and that none of us are doing anything wrong. We're all doing the best we can with what we got. So maybe we can use that as a bit of a springboard to talk more about how the psychedelic community can come together and help support each other in their work. Because while I have been critical of the clinical applications and I've been, you know, critical of Michael Pollan and his eye shades and playlist thing, um, like that's been an enormous boon to the uh, interest in psychedelia. And I, owe so much of my everyday life and work to these people who I have at times been really critical of. So 
just kind of like reflecting on all that you just said and how that type of acknowledgement of past mistakes or perspectives is rarely seen. Like, I don't think, I don't feel like anyway, it's very common to see that type of acknowledgement in the, in a public forum, whether it's like on YouTube or on a podcast or on a news channel or whatever it is, like you rarely hear people standing up and saying like, I just want to say today that (laughs) I've held this perspective and I don't feel like it's been super helpful and I'm like reorienting and just kind of acknowledging that to everybody. It's really, it's really powerful. Yeah. Just says a lot about you. You just did that. Right. And I'm, well, I'm mean, trying to like yeah. think for myself, like just kind of has me looking in the mirror about what, like with this topic of acknowledging where I could have done better. I haven't been in the public eye really. So um, it's kind of harder for me to. Boy, make a statement like that to the public. Well, I think that's the only way that I I can survive in this thing and and like in in a, any type of public capacity. And I mean, it's just like, that's the most important thing that we can teach. Really. I feel like it's, well, here we go again with the absolutes, right? It's one of the most important things that we can teach is that as challenging as it is, our vulnerability is our strength. Yeah. Um, I would love for more conversations that we have with each other as a community to involve a recognition of feelings and uncertainties and just like touching on a little bit of different parts of the spectrum of where we're at in any given moment. That takes more time Mm -hmm. and more energy to do that. However, the impact is tremendous. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of right now the interview that um, I, did I send that, send that interview to you with Lewis, um, Lewis and Ken, Lewis Howe and Ken Honda. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reflecting on that interview. School of Greatness, shout out, great podcast. Yeah, the School of Greatness really is very great. And recent interview with Ken Honda, and he is in the world of investment and also the world of spirituality and kind of bringing that into uh, talking about money and considering our finances along with the bigger picture. And... He brought up this concept of invisible assets and how like everybody's asking him, what, where should I put my money? And depending on how wealthy you are, he has a different answer, but it always includes invisible assets and that that is where we should all be putting our energy 
that's the next wave of investment and invisible assets, meaning our relationships with people and that community is really the next most important thing to be putting our energy and time. Yeah, I mean, part of the ongoing realization I've been having is seeing how my tendency towards absolutism has been unhealthy and unhelpful in a multitude of, of relationships, not just you know these professional at-a-distance relationships. Because I know those people know of me. I know Paul Stamets knows of me. I know Roland knows of me, and Michael Pollan knows about me. I mean, you know, Michael Pollan pulled my name off of his website after the whole Psychedelics Today thing went down. So, you know... Um, I know that they know of me, so we are in a relationship. But more importantly, as I see through my life, that I have had a tendency, especially like when things get like really uh, differentiated in perspective, like political stuff, just be like, you know what, fuck, fuck this person, fuck this whole situation. I'm not even going to deal with this. I'm just going to just move on, and. I feel like as a society, we're being pushed more and more into that kind of engagement, particularly around politics and 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 social uh, beliefs, right? It's like the so many different topics you can look at today, and even even the the canceling, the public canceling of people, right, is indicative of this. I don't like what you have to say, so I'm gonna completely yank you from every available platform and that's it's just completely unhelpful it just slows the evolution of society it furthers this false belief that we are separate and that that it reinforces this ego uh, so you know whatever ways we can continue to diffuse that belief that my perspective is right and yours is wrong. And if we, if you can't come in my direction, then I'm just going to leave the premises. What are you agreeing about? Sounds like another ab- absolute to me. <laughs> that is completely unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, it's tricky. It's tough. It's very tricky. It's tough. Is it completely unhelpful? Well, is anything completely, uh, completely unhelpful? You know, it's like, there's probably some benefit, at least for society, is it helps us understand the lack of benefit of such behavior, right? It's like all the fast food restaurants across the nation. We may, some of us may say that that's a bad thing and there's definitely negative consequences, but slowly it's going to maybe wake us up to the need for healthier dietary choices. So, yeah, it's a long tail. We're definitely living in an interesting time of evolution where as people, it's this weird veil um, in the communities that we're in that this there's this weird illusion that we don't need each other mm-hmm. as much as we used to mm-hmm. when we do. However, it's we're evolving into a different way of needing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can feel like, like the separation that's happening um, 
I don't know, like it's easier to go, like we have like a number of episodes on this whole topic with social media and like bipartisanship and picking sides and black and white. Like it's just like easier now. It feels easier immediately to cancel people. Mm-hmm. It's really not easier, but um, like in the long run, because of the implications of that, you're not actually canceling anything. You're mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. kind of pushing it down you're in a different way it's not and there. pretending. Yeah, pre- oh, if we just like take them off of this. Right platform then they won't be able to speak when they're just getting more fired up to be louder and stronger somewhere else and it's not gonna go away so it's it is really interesting and um like i'm i'm wondering right now uh this absolutism in different ways like how do we feel like this is really serving us in the moment um it's. Uh, it seems like, anyway, without trying to get too absolute here, it seems like, again, just a defense of the ego. If you think about all the different ways that this presents itself, you know, it is, and the, the first thing that comes to my mind, anyway, is because, because it's so prevalent, is politics. And we have such a more, seemingly more divisive nation than we've ever had, at least in my lifetime, you know, and when I think about the people who I know who are on both sides of the fence, immediately when there is a, something that confronts their belief system, which is just an, an egoic projection because all of our beliefs, as we've already discussed, will change. That's an absolute again. Most of our beliefs will change if not all of them. And a, be- a belief, you can just, from, the, from that word alone, we know that it's not something that is certain, right? And so who wants to defend uncertainty? Must be the ego. Yeah, like even on a, on a more granular level than politics, I'm thinking of are the way that we speak about change. For instance, uh, maybe we we have a new way of working out or like we're eating healthier and we say, I am never going back to my old ways. And or or I am I am always gonna like I'm always going to keep off this five pounds or I'm always going to, you know, like the never and the always Mm -hmm. and how we do that. And it's interesting. Like, it's so interesting that we do that. It's almost like when I reflect on it, when I do that, which is often, (laughs) (laughs) I, it's this like feeling of relief of I'm, I'm just never going to have to deal with that again. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, it's in the past and mm-hmm. it's never coming back and I'm just going to leave that behind over there and we're just mm-hmm. going to look over here and it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not, doesn't usually happen like that. <laughs> Sometimes it does, but oftentimes it does not <laughs> happen like that. The thing comes back and it's 
even more annoying <laughs> when it comes back when when for me personally when i've declared this mm-hmm. it's never coming back and i've announced it to all my friends Oof. and then it starts coming back and here <laughs> i am and i'm like shit i can't tell anybody about this cuz i've announced that it's gone forever and like it gets harder to to look at and deal with after we've made you know absolute declaration statements of independence that, yeah and it also like in the in the moment when we say okay when we acknowledge that it it's possible that this thing might happen again or that it's possible i'm not right it's possible i'm wrong right now isn't that a wonderful thought it's it really it, it's ultimately liberating it doesn't take that long i don't feel like to be liberating but in approaching the moment <laughs> yeah. of admitting that maybe i'm not right mm-hmm. like just thinking about admitting that mm-hmm. is the hardest part and i feel like as soon as we do it's like oh, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually feels better yeah yeah so why is it that we feel like looking at the like this instance with psychedelics and and how we have worked or I have worked over the years. And why is it that we feel like there's such a need to defend our methods from those that are even sometimes slightly different? Doesn't have to be a drastically different war. I mean, it's, it's still the ego, right? But what's it like... What's the fear that's underneath of that? Is it that it's is it that we're going to be proven wrong, or that we're going to be discredited somehow, or what? What do you think? Yeah, that's such a good question, and and this is applicable to not just the psychedelic world, oh, but course. I feel like any any world where, like Nancy uh, from One Love Dispensary, and I were talking about this the other day, and she's. She was the first person to open a CBD and then a Delta 8 shop in Louisville. And like, she's been up against a lot of the same stuff. And just kind of like dawning on me, not really dawning on me, but really hitting me. Like, this is something that every pioneer field goes through. It seems like this competitiveness Mm -hmm. and fear Mm -hmm. of... Maybe like, I don't know what it is. Maybe you touched on it like specifically like deep down, deep, deep, deep down um, what it really is. I feel like you touched on it earlier when you were mentioning uh, starting out feeling like you were going to be criticized for doing this Mm -hmm. and criticized by people in the medical field, uh, criticized by scholars and criticized by... Yeah, people who already have solid opinions maybe about what's good and what's bad uh, or maybe it's more nuanced than that, but it feels like like that makes a lot of sense that when we're coming from that place, when we feel like we're going to be criticized, we like set ourselves up for defense mode. Mm-hmm. Like instead of opening up and saying like, I want to collaborate, I want to work together. We can't really do that when we're ready for ready to be attacked. Why would we open up? 
Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human? One that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P-S-A-N-C-T-U-A-R-Y dot org to become a member and find more information. Yeah, so I, I mean, another really important admission for me right here um, is that you know, I, I know if I really search deep down myself, when I first reached out to Psychedelics Today to collaborate, the spirit behind it was a defensive gesture. It was more in the hopes of people, of them valuing my work so that I could escape criticism. And how that turned on me is <laughs> is so ironic. And I think that's so telling in that the universe, it always gives us the lesson that we need to learn it and... You know, the fear is very often um, kind of the indicator of what the lesson is, right? Uh, if we're afraid of not having money, then there's probably going to be some value in us learning the other parts of life that are valuable that are not just financial or if we're afraid of being alone, then there's probably some real value in us you know, diving into that solidarity. Um, and so while I was afraid of being publicly criticized or canceled or whatever you want, there's been an enormous value in that attempted canceling and um, and that public criticism. So, you know, I sincerely mean it that <laughs> all of the frustration that I have been through over what has seemed like some very blatant hypocrisy from Joe Moore uh, at Psychedelics Today, you're actually one of my greatest teachers, and I really want to thank you more than anything. I grew up in a home of constant criticism. I, criticize, I fucking criticize myself all the time. And that is ultimately, I think that's really the deeper kind of issue here. And it's what Course in Miracles is pointing to. And it's the underlying generality that I think we all can, to some extent, come in touch with is that we are constantly projecting our own self-talk out to the world. And so me being critical of anybody else is ultimately me being critical of myself. And anyone else being critical or attacking me is really putting their own fear on display. So, you know, I want to I unwire that in every aspect of my life. Um, I've, I'm, doing, I'm doing a lot better. I know that. And I want to encourage all of us to just keep really evaluating how we treat others because that's ultimately how we're treating ourselves, And that's not in some kind of woo-woo, we're all one thing. That's like actually you're talking to yourself 
and then projecting that out to the world. Because if we're looking at compassionately at ourselves, then we can look at comp- compassionately at anybody. Yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. Oh my God. Just, just like thinking of reflecting back on that time when that psychedelics today public statement went out like initially when I really reflect back on it like that was my first response was that man these people like must be really upset or like feel wronged or wow like just this surprise in the communication and how Whenever we find out that somebody's talking about us behind our backs and we weren't aware of it, like mm-hmm. they never came to us first mm-hmm. to address it. I mean, depending on the life experience level one has, go a number of ways. But like, I don't know, like for me, um, thankfully getting starting to get to a point where my first response is usually, man. Like I feel for them to to really feel so afraid or like whatever it is that's keeping them from like directly having a, a conversation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. first. Um, usually like that means that's a pretty miserable place to be in mm-hmm. for somebody. It's great insecurity. Yeah. But then like the next thought I had was... What the actual fuck? (laughs) Come on, man. Seriously? Like, Mm. this is our life. This is like our family and our, a bunch of people, a bunch of people Mm. um, that are being helped that are now confused. Mm -hmm. And, and now I feel pissed. (laughs) And I want to attack, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and just that whole spectrum of emotions that we go through when something like that happens. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. That is life so often is this full spectrum mm-hmm, of emotions mm-hmm. to to experience and like the bigger picture question one of them is like, what did we come here? Like, for what purpose is that? <laughs> like, did we, did we like, if we chose to come into this world um, in some form or fashion, we must have generally seen that that was a benefit mm-hmm. or something to experience so to speak, like, oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at how we can have this experience over here in this world of the ego. Mm -hmm. And like, what's, is it just for the experience? Are we like eternally (laughs) just kind of like looking for the next different kind of experience to have? Like, that's really like the psychedelic, I feel like perspective for me on all this is like, really zooming out is does this go on forever in different ways and different levels this like experience of um 
fear and then moving out of fear into what's the opposite of fear? <laughs> faith. I think it's faith, personally. <laughs> and like, what a ride that really is. Yeah. I mean, seems like kind of the perennial lesson, looping back to our own invulnerability as the uh, Horse Miracle says. Um, it's pretty cool that we can have that experience. I mean, I guess the alternative is not, maybe there's not really an alternative, but. Well, the question for me becomes what, what happens when we reach a state of immediate embrace? And, you know, there's some other folks out there I forgive too. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but when, oh, you know, maybe it will be a value, maybe it won't be uh, to, you know, eventually tell our full Jamaican story. Um, but, you know, when when that attack, perceived attack came on, I ran head into that motherfucker. I, I, I mean, there were waves of dipping in and out, but I remember when, when I saw it, that I just said, this is it, let's fucking head on, and everything will be better because of this. You know, didn't have that foresight when we were arrested, I sat in jail and cried, was terrified for a long time, not just the week that I was in jail after after that, and there was a long, and there were many, many times. Um, but I, I know that I am getting better at embracing the challenges or perceived attacks when they come on and just saying, all right, like, what is there to learn from this? It, it is an ebb and flow, um, but I think of great people like the Dalai Lama is someone that I just, like, he's just always my go-to for someone who just, like, smiles in the face of tragedy, you know, laughs into it even. And, you know, I tend to believe that we do have lifetimes. When I say I'm, in, I'm eternal, I think that I just keep coming back. really feel that way. I've experienced that in some very direct uh, ways. And I think that we slowly learn over the eons, these lessons, until we become like Christ-like or however you want to typify this like fully embodied, fully in faith, moving into this really joyful experience, this wonderful, exciting roller coaster we call life. What? I'm Are just, just laughing at all it. the times that I have freak outs because everything's going wrong? No, no, that's not <laughs> what I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm genuinely laughing at the whole cycle of things and the ironies of things, like the irony of like you bringing up Dalai Lama and the Christ archetype and how 
the irony for me, I'm reflecting on like wanting to just go there, just be that, mm-hmm. just be that and, and not have to deal with the, the dirtiness of being in uncomfortable situations. Like, can I just skip to enlightenment and like, just skip all the like horrible shit that, I have to do to get there. Like that, just that moment in time where we just kind of want to skip and not deal with the unpleasantries. Mm -hmm. Like, like for instance, for me, you mentioned being arrested and like, that is a recurring thing that I re-experience in my being that the memory of that and how I replay that and how I go through the process of wanting that to never happen again and how when I'm able to zoom out, I can see more clearly that the wanting it to never happen again is tied into it happening again. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's so tricky because <laughs> it's like just that right there not wanting something to happen is how it happens. Mm -hmm. And there's this like gray area of letting go and being okay with it happening again. That is like the key in the lock Mm -hmm. of it never happening Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you can't, but you can't get the key by not wanting it to happen again. It's a tricky, I know. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like we're constantly doing that with things. It's like, I just don't want that to happen. So I'm just going to look over here and hope it never happens. And when it's really just looking right at it and being like, you know what? Mm -hmm. If that happens, it's going to be all right. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be better. Things are going to be better um, if that happens. And it's just... It's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Well, is that the same thing as admitting that our our um, beliefs are false, right? Because we have this belief that like that, for instance, like getting arrested is the worst thing that could happen to you. False. It was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. You know, so it just continues to come back to this admission that we don't know and if we can continue to stay open to the possibility that there is something more intelligent than us that is driving this ship, and if we can trust that and embrace it, then like a surfer, you know, the waves that terrify someone who can't surf become a playground. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you would like, think that I would know that as much as anybody, you know, after all the crazy mushroom trips that I've had and and sat for and all the, all the waves that I have ridden. But I just that just shows how difficult it is to learn these lessons and even more so knowing that should give me so much more patience for people that don't that aren't there yet. You know? It should. It should. I, In theory. I, well, it, it actually, it is. 
it's doing it. It's just not happening immediately and it's not becoming the fullness like the like, immediate enlightenment right. that we it's, would think. It's the ongoing no, but I mean like, you know, all of us, I would encourage everyone that's listening or watching this to think back to your life and realize how many times you have been improving the quality of your life, yet you were still complaining about it in the midst of it, right? It's really hard to see when we're in the muck to see that we are growing into the lotus. Mm -hmm. But all the other lotuses around are like, hey, we see you. You're coming up. Good job. Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep growing. You know? And so that's what we, what I want to do more for, for myself and for each other is just fucking encourage each other more. You know, I want to encourage myself more. You're doing a good job, Eric. I want to encourage, like, Roland Griffiths, thank you. Thank you so much. Paul Stamets, good job. Do whatever you're doing with whatever you're doing, the DOD or what all the criticisms and all the stuff that I think is somehow, like, not the thing to do. Fucking keep doing it. You're doing great. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Paul Austin, God, I could rant on a list of all the things that I've disagreed with you on, but thank you. You've brought so many people into microdosing as a, a valuable part of their lives. Microdosing itself, I've been really very critical of microdosing itself. Now we're rolling out a microdosing slash subtle sacrament program because I, I have come to understand, like, no, just because it hasn't been the thing for you doesn't mean it's not the thing for everybody or a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, so OHA, Oregon Health Authority. Yeah. Thank you for wow. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> like I there's been so much criticism of how you've dealt with measure 109 mm -hmm, and the entheogenic mm -hmm, consideration mm -hmm. and but like putting myself in your shoes. If I was at the OHA being like the first to be incorporating this whole protocol and all the things that go into this next phase of integrating psychedelics into our society in modern times, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're doing a lot. And so <laughs> it's funny. I'm laughing with the public hearings and all the, <laughs> all the shamans and high priestesses of different plant medicine coming in and being like so critical of how they're, you know, incorporating the mm -hmm. religious freedom into it and like and all the mistakes. And us, we're like, what that new kind of like, <laughs> fuck it. How, how different of a world would it be? if we were immediately thankful for what seemed like problems or disagreements or the, the, the people who seemed to be the most, who challenged our ego the most, if we just immediately could thank them. Like it, uh, it just, it has such a drastic impact. And I'm... Going back to what you said earlier about talking to other people is really talking to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And talking to ourselves is likewise talking to other people. And again, getting more granular with it, we can actually have conversations with the 
subtleties of our of ourselves like our emotions and that fear aspect like when we notice the fear happening and the that feeling of attack we can actually talk to that because it is a living entity it is a thing that exists and it has energy mm-hmm. and it like everything else is trying to be happy and mm-hmm. live life and do its thing and it's coming up to have a conversation with us mm-hmm. and to get our help and assistance and to be of assistance to us as well so like asking like again this going back to the school of greatness and Ken Honda who I've learned so much from in just like a one hour conversation, like him talking about talking to money, for instance, and like, where do you want to go? Like, you're here, you've come to me. Now what? Now what? How can I help you? How can we help each other? And like doing that with emotions too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can be really a really nice experience. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how how it is said, but uh, Bashar, if you don't know Bashar, go check out Bashar, incredible teacher and a great weirdo. Um, <laughs> but he says something about the our I think it's our insecurities that come up and our false beliefs that come up that if we can just reassure those false beliefs, which are actually an, an entire aspect of ourself, that I see you, I accept you, I validate you, but I'm going to look at it somewhere else. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and this doesn't, this doesn't, it's not killing you. This is not saying you're worthless. This is, talk to it like you would a person, just mm-hmm. like you're saying validated and then acknowledge like but i'm gonna look in a different direction fucking money is one of the big ones for me like if i think back about it man i have been so critical of people with a lot of money in my life i grew up seeing that hearing that and like i'm sorry i'm so sorry it's so wrong there's i mean like everything around us money has had something to do with and innovators and individuals who have been so influential in bringing more resources into being. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's like another part of it too, and this is helping me see it, is the whole thing with Elon Musk, right? Like like everybody's, just not everybody, but there's a a big, there's a lot of criticism, criticism toward Elon Musk. And particularly, I saw the president making a statement, like publicly deriding Elon Musk. But Elon Musk, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have all the electric vehicles that we have. He spearheaded the entire electric vehicle movement. He made him cool. Why in the hell wouldn't the president, who is trying to get everybody to go to electric vehicles, put aside whatever other differences are and say, way to go, Elon. And solar panels with all those Tesla, Tesla solar panels, solar converters, or whatever those are. So you know, without turning it into a criticism by else, I just want to continue to reflect <laughs> on myself 
and acknowledge. But so, you what know, the hell is wrong with well, you? No, because there is a, there is a valid conversation to be had about when we discuss our differences. Because here's the thing: if we don't just like toss the baby out with the bathwater, then we've got to actually engage with the whole thing. So that means that we're going to have to dialogue. Maybe we should reach out to Joe Moore and invite him on the podcast. Yeah, I'm up for it 100%. I think that's probably a smart thing to do. Not not just him, but others as well. You know, maybe you were wrong, Joe. Maybe I'd be a good guest on your podcast. I don't know. But that's like you the whole... were I know, but they took all the episodes the- down. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's okay, though. It's okay. It's, it's totally like, cool. That's the thing. It's, it's like, totally cool. it's all good. We We all learned a lot. Right, Joe? Talking to you. Some of us are learning faster and than others. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we not. don't know. I don't know. I, What's well, going on over there? No, that's, oh. I'm not saying me and him or any of that. I'm oh. just saying that for sure. Some of us are learning faster than others, period. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's the openness to learn, which is pretty important. And letting the learning in. <laughs> Got to be open. Yeah. So how do we learn to have these conversations that really move things forward because as it is right now particularly in the psychedelic community if we continue to have these like three or four separate tracks of psychedelic um, access then nobody is learning and moving as quickly as we could and that means that the people that we are here to be of service to are not getting the benefit as quickly as they could because that's that's right right that's the thing. We're in this to be of service to other people. We're in this psychedelic work to help bring healing to the world, right? I hope so. That's what. Well, that's, that. Well, yeah, we are. No, I mean the, ther- the therapists, the clinicians, the religious practitioners, the the retreat, investors, the retreats, the investors. Yeah. No, I'm asking. Uh, like, I'm I'm supposing. I suppose. You're, it's a leading question, but. It's you a leading know. question. What are you in this for? Are you in this to bring healing to the world? Even if you're not, that's okay because in some way you are bringing healing to the world because that's what <laughs> psychedelics do. But if we can set our egos aside and really try to work together more effectively, then we can do that even quicker, what I would like to suggest. Yeah. The OHA... Like, you know, there's definitely some stuff in that whole program that if they would listen to more voices and apply more perspectives, that Oregon's psilocybin model would advance faster and help more people more quickly. It's still okay. What you're doing is fine. I love you. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this this interesting kind of ebb and flow of taking a step back, evaluating ourselves, moving back into a community, gathering information, bringing that in and assimilating it, you know. Yeah, it's a process. It's a and, process. hey, where does it really start? Right here with each one of us. <laughs> it starts with... How are we talking to, to ourselves yeah. when we wake up in the morning and when we look True. in the mirror and, you know, like, are we like, hey, what's up? 
You know, it was seriously only about what you want to do. Maybe like, four years ago, if that long, that I f- was first telling myself good job. Out of the thousands of hours that I've spent just showing up for people, it was after um, that CIA retired CIA agent that I mm-hmm. worked with. Yeah, um, it was after her retreat that I was first able to look at myself in the mirror and say, good job. That's, it is what it is. I'm not going to criticize that, but boy, <laughs> that was a long time coming. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. And it's continuing to unfold. And I, and when I do that, it's much easier for me to do it for other people. Yeah. So this kind of leads into the next episode we're going to record <laughs> On What's self- the connect, please? <laughs> on self-pleasure. Yeah? What's the connect? Because I'm, I'm thinking of my own experience. The more you please yourself, with- the more you please others, or what? I don't know. <laughs> the more I'm, I'm encouraging others to, like, yeah, be happy mm. and take mm. care of yourself yeah. and, like, just enjoy life. You deserve it. You deserve Starts compassion. right here. You deserve pleasure. You deserve wealth and joy. You deserve fun. Yeah. That's people really. There's been a, a number of people that are like, fun? You shouldn't say have fun. Fun means you're chasing <laughs> adventure or you're like, fuck the Fun hell. is a pile of shit. <laughs> like, I want to have more fun. Is that okay? I had fun one time and there were consequences. <laughs> but I'm never going to have fun again. <laughs> the same thing will happen. Mm. but i mean that is like that brings in a whole other layer to this conversation of of that that whole like idea of can i am i capable of enjoying this thing like if i don't (laughs) cut if i don't cut it off and put my wall up and say like like i'm making a statement or i'm like I'm just canceling this person over here or this organization over here or whatever. Like by doing that, then I, I'll rule out like what the possibilities are and my potential greatness because by like collaborating with people and talking about things, we're like really opening up the possibility for a lot of wonderful things Mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of feelings to feel. A lot of feelings. And if we're not like, we, if we haven't had that experience and letting in feelings, like really just feeling all the feelings, it is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, that psychedelic death experience, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. All the feelings that you could ever feel all at once. And it can be completely terrifying and excruciating and feel actually like pain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for somebody who hasn't experienced that and um, doesn't want to or isn't open to it. So I'm thinking back. It's kind of the last little anecdote I want to give. It was kind of, it's so funny to me. Um, a friend of mine, I won't say their name because I don't want to embarrass them, but uh, saw the uh, little TikTok YouTube short that we did with the stinkhorns. If mm. if you haven't seen our stinkhorn video, it's a little racy. <laughs> a little, 
a little scandalous. Highly recommend it. And someone who is pretty high up in the public psychedelic world called me and was like, do you really think that video is appropriate? Do you, like you're doing harm to the psychedelic movement by posting that video. And I mean, I wanted, to, I wanted to, I did, I did listen to it with an open mind and compassionately. And at the same time, like as you're talking about how we like want to shun fun, avoid pleasure, like get away. We can't bring humor into psychedelics. This is trauma work. This is so serious. We're at the cutting edge of really making psychedelics normal. And if you pretend like a mushroom is a penis, then, oh my God, what's that going to do to the movement? And it's like, have fun. That is the movement. that's, 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 That's where it's going. Like it's all moving towards enjoyment. And just in like transparency and like, and just talking about what's clearly, obviously there, (laughs) a stinkhorn. We're not going to talk about the stinkhorn being a a a stinky looking penis. Bag of semen. It smells like a bag of semen. (laughs) What? It does. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I mean, I've just never had that visual, actually. Okay. The last thing I want to end this <laughs> episode on is, do you think our logo for Psilocybin Says looks like a penis? Because comment. I think Put that in the comments. is Courtney's Freudian <laughs> projection. <laughs> she tells me all the time, it looks like a penis. Of course it looks like a penis. It's a mushroom. I just hired a fiver. <laughs> graphic designer to redo the logo and it's like no matter how many times that I think it was a woman no matter how many times she redid it there was like five there's like eight versions actually it's like so you spent just, what 50 <laughs> bucks to find out that yeah. mushrooms look like penises it's okay it's good it's all moving towards greater it, knowledge and connection right if if you're a graphic designer and you want to give it a give it a shot i mean if you think maybe we should have a contest like i just think more we'll psychedelic feature your website more people who are involved in the mushroom world should be just embracing the phallic nature of fungi personally and yeah there's also you let's know talk like about the, sex as well the, the amanita please i love psychedelics it. Okay, and sex go together and go the next one okay sounds good subscribe so that you can get notified of the next sex capode sex capode okay cool we need to end here alright yeah it's really going off rails okay thanks Thanks. for listening (laughs)